Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about steroid use as well as the learning process. Got two topics I want to talk about today, but I want to start with last week's news that USADA released five Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Now, the only organization that tests in Jiu-Jitsu is the IBJJF. It's one of the few things that I think they're doing well. IBJJF, I believe, started testing in 2018. And when they first started testing, they only tested once a year at the Gi World Championship. Only the black belt champions were tested. So we're talking about maybe eight people in all of jiu-jitsu were tested. What's crazy is as few of people they've tested over the years, we've seen some pretty high-profile guys test positive. We've seen Felipe Pena fail a drug test. Kynan Duarte, the Meow Brothers, and there's a handful of other guys. Now, this most recent year, they started testing more athletes. I believe they tested both at Gi Worlds and No Gi Worlds. They tested the black belt champions as well as the silver medalists. You saw Craig Jones make some jokes that even second place uh, finishers are not safe anymore, as well as I believe they tested from a of third place finishers now in the IBJJF um, in their tournaments you have four people on the podium you obviously have first and second place but then the two losers in the semifinals automatically receive the bronze medal they do not have to fight for third so of that pool of third place finishers a couple of them were selected to be tested now, the five athletes that tested positive, there were two really notable names, names that you've heard if you've listened to this podcast for a length of time, and being Cyborg, um, Cyborg Abreu, and Wagner Rocha, the two fight sports representatives. And it's kind of like another just notch on their belts of like being like the bad guys in jiu-jitsu and guys that, honestly, they're just so easy to root against. Now... Here's the thing about steroids in jiu-jitsu. I'm still not quite sure how the community feels about steroids in our sport as a whole. Like, I know how that I feel like I know how the US population feels about steroids in US sports. Just take baseball, football, basketball, even MMA, for example. Guys that have been caught um, using steroids, or even if there are allegations of them using steroids, it's tarnished their reputation and tarnished their legacies. I remember growing up watching Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa break the home run, uh, Roger Maris's home run record in a single season. And then a few years later, I remember vividly the historic season that Barry Bonds had for the San Francisco Giants. Now, Barry Bonds, a lot of people believe that for his first three MVPs, he was not on steroids. That's when he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was a natural athlete. At least, again, a lot of people believe that. But when he was traded to the San Francisco Giants, he, I mean, completely changed. His body completely changed. His head grew like three sizes. I remember like reading an article about how like much bigger his head had grown. But Barry never tested positive for PEDs. It was just the allegations and the evidence that they had that he took them. But again, there was no positive test. And his legacy has been kind of ruined. I mean, he's not even in the Hall of Fame. 
each year I just kind of keep track because I really, I mean, that season was just magical. I remember watching Barry Bonds get walked with the bases loaded. That happened multiple times in that season. That team would rather just give the Giants a free run rather than risk giving up a home run and a grand slam. And I just, it blew my mind. I've never seen anything like that. And I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that again. And what Barry did for a couple of seasons was, I mean, they're the best seasons in baseball history. But as I said, he's not in the Hall of Fame. And a lot of baseball fans think he's a cheater. And they think that his uh, record should have asterisks next to it. Now we just think about a sport like MMA where cheating was pretty common and then the UFC cleaned the sport up with USADA and I mean they were testing I remember when John Jones tested positive for nanograms like he had exogenous um, testosterone I believe it was exogenous testosterone nanograms that he tested positive for and he got banned I mean that's that whole Daniel Cormier thing where he beat Daniel Cormier but it got um I believe it ended up getting a no contest because he tested positive. And I remember Dana telling Daniel and Daniel Cormier, like breaking down and crying (laughs) and just a horrible situation. But even before that, you know, if we look at guys like Vitor Belfort, that was the joke was like TRT Vitor was unstoppable. TRT Vitor was knocking everybody out. But then USADA comes along, they change where you're not allowed to use testosterone replacement therapy, which a lot of guys were using to cheat. And he all of a sudden became, you know, a good fighter again, but he wasn't this machine that he was when he was using testosterone. Even guys like Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks was always an interesting case to me because he almost beat. A lot of people think he beat GSP for that 170 title, but it was close, you know. But a lot of people think that he used uh, some type of PEDs because he was one of those guys that, Pre-USADA, his body looked one way. Post-USADA, it looked completely different, and his performances just tanked. I mean, he was not the same fighter, and there's a handful of guys like that. And I'm sure if we really dig deep, you know, we'd find a bunch of these uh, guys with um, with that being the case. Now, since they're testing all the athletes, they're doing random drug tests, um, I feel pretty confident that, you know, a lot of the guys in the UFC are clean. But... Conor McGregor has done something really interesting recently. A lot of guys were kind of pissed at Conor because he took himself out of the UFC's testing pool. So to fight for the UFC, you have to spend at least six months in USADA's testing pool before you can get a fight. And so Conor withdrew from the testing pool so he could take a bunch of PEDs. There is no way he didn't. I mean, just look at the guy. He gained 20 pounds. And I get it. I mean, he was really badly injured. He had that terrible leg break against Dustin Poirier. And he was trying to get back to 100%. But at the same time, I mean, he took himself out of the pool. He gets a completely different body. Now he's, I mean, I think he's coming back to fight Chandler at 170. Some people even joke that it might be at 185. Who knows? But he looks absolutely humongous. He looks over 200 pounds. Now, Darren Till is kind of doing the same thing. Darren Till was released by the UFC, but he said he just was released so he could get out of the testing pool. So there are ways around it, and I'm sure if you look at any sport, there are ways around the testing. But at the same time, I, I do think a lot of the active athletes and a lot of guys that you know are, are staying in the testing pool, a lot of those guys are clean. 
Now I come back to jujitsu because I just, as I said, I know how the American public and the, like the majority of American sports fans feel about steroids, but I'm not quite sure how the jujitsu community feels about it because for the longest time, steroids have just been accepted in the sport. It was just accepted that all of our top athletes or most of our top, top athletes were using steroids. Now, I think a lot of this has to do with the Brazilian culture. I remember when I first started, um, you know, watching ADCC. ADCC has jokingly uh, recently been called the Steroid Olympics just because of that's when guys are like at the peak of their cycles. I mean, these guys are, I will say before I go any deeper that in ADCC, there is no written rule that you cannot use PEDs or steroids or, you know, any type of uh, drug that's going to enhance your performance. But same time you know you look at these guys and they look like freaks of nature some of the matches i've seen over the years but i remember when i first watched it was just so obvious to me that these guys were were not normal they weren't natural but i heard from a lot of people you know you could find this information on forums or um, i remember just hearing it uh, just different guys talk and they were like look like steroids in brazil are legal like you can just go down to your local like gnc or your local health store and you can get steroids and so they don't see it as big a deal, and that's why it's a much more relaxed culture in jiu-jitsu on steroid use. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I've never really seen people blast guys for using steroids, you know. If anything, dudes will make memes about it. You know, we've all heard kind of the acai joke of, oh, this guy, you know, he just... he drinks Larry eats lots of acai and that's why he's so big it's the you know part of the Gracie diet it's just acai uh but in turn you know acai is always going to meant that he's using that bomba the juice but I don't know you know I feel like things are starting to change a little bit I say that because we're finally starting to see guys come out and claim at like being a natural athlete and they're starting to talk bad and talk down on athletes that use look at the Rutolos. The Rutolos are kind of the guys leading the charge. They're the ones that are, you know, saying, hey, like we're natural athletes. We're doing all of this naturally. We don't think, you know, we think most guys are using and if they stopped using it, like, you know, we would see a huge diminishment in their game and their performances. Um, We also have guys like the Tackett brothers and obviously Nicky Rod is the most recent one. He's really been going hard on like, hey, I'm a natural athlete. He called Gordon Ryan out for using steroids. He has submitted his blood work to a very popular YouTuber who goes into depth on people's steroid use, more plates, more dates. Um, that guy's awesome. You know, he's been on Joe Rogan. I've watched his channel a few different times on, you know, different steroid topics or just trying to, you know, listen and, and see if a guy, you know, if he does a profile on a guy, if that guy's on steroids or not. But Nicky Rod, you know, he's claiming that natural status. And I think the more and more we get guys claiming natty and we kind of start setting this divide, people are going to have to choose, you know. You're going to have to choose how you feel about steroids. Should a guy like Gordon Ryan be penalized, his legacy be penalized for PED use? Now, before you say, well, most of the guys he's going against are on PED use, the same could be said for a guy like Barry Bonds. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, like a lot of players in that era were using PEDs. And we don't know who was and who wasn't. You know, there are guys in the Hall of Fame. I think like a guy like David Ortiz. He's a guy. We don't follow baseball. Sorry about about this analogy. But, 
You know, a guy like David Ortiz, who was a monster, won a couple of championships with the Boston Red Sox, but, you know, there was some allegations that he had used steroids in his earlier career. Now, again, never tested positive, but at the same time, it's kind of like the population, the, the, the U.S. sports population made, um, they, they kind of picked, you know, like who to punish and who not. And it was really the sports writers and the guys in the media that were kind of telling the story, kind of picked who they were going after and who they were leaving alone. But again, I think in a few years, you know, especially as, you know, more and more organizations start to test, maybe the IBJJF ramps it up, maybe ADCC starts testing. We're going to have to decide how we feel as a community about steroid users. How we feel about guys that even use steroids in the past. Are we going to look at Gordon Ryan's records and go, well, there's, there's an asterisk because he was a heavy PED user. Or are we just, hey, like that was just part of the game. You know, it is what it is. But at the same time, like, you know, if our sport ever to become legitimized, I think every legitimate sport has testing. It just does. Like every mainstream sport. And for whatever reason, you know, the public, they like clean athletes. They prefer clean athletes. I know some of you are going, no, I want these guys juiced to the gills. I want them looking like freaks. But I don't know. For whatever reason, that that isn't what the majority of the people want. I mean, baseball easily could have just closed their eyes and kept letting guys get juiced to the gills. Um, you know, as we saw Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and keep letting guys approach this, you know, 60, 70, 80, maybe 90, who knows, maybe even 100 home runs. Those games are so exciting. But at the end of the day, they crack down. And a lot of people, I mean, the majority of people are happy, you know. they A lot of people vilify Barry Bonds, vilify a guy like Roger Clemens. I mean, those are Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are two of the greatest players of all time. But... For a lot of people, their history is tainted. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens with all of that. You know, I've told you guys, I think probably 75, 80% of the top athletes in jiu-jitsu are currently using steroids. I'd say probably 90% has used a PED of some sort, and there's probably 10% of them are, are clean. You know, they just take your regular supplements like creatine and, you know, protein powders and all of that. I will say, though, that it is annoying because I've been seeing more and more athletes coming out claiming natural status. And here's the thing. I've heard some of these guys, um, rumors that some of these guys that have claimed natural status have cheated, whether it's EPO use or, um, you know, SARMs or something like that. I've just, you know, you hear things over the years. And it also bothers me, even like the Rotolos kind of bother me because, I mean, they're part of Atos. Atos is one of the biggest PED users as a whole, as a team in this sports history. And so for them to be so like high and mighty, like we don't use PED use and like kind of going after Gordon and a couple of other guys, like I think it's kind of lame because their head instructor, Andre Galvao, as well as some of their teammates like Hulk Barboza and Kynan Duarte and, I mean, a bunch of them have used and have even tested positive for the USADA, um, for the IBJJF. So to me, that's kind of lame. Like, if you're going to make a hard stance on not using steroids, well, you should join a team that is natty, 
that is all natural. I don't like guys going after other guys when their main training partner is a huge steroid user. The other thing I want to talk about today, guys, has to do with the learning process because I thought this was interesting. I was listening to Craig Jones interview Lachlan Giles. Lachlan was just at the gym, at B team, I should say, and Craig sat down with them for like a 30-minute interview. And in it, they talked about this uh, like learning process. And I thought Lachlan said something really interesting because I think a lot of people have kind of caught a kind of got caught up in this new approach to teaching and learning. And I shouldn't really say it's new. This data has been around for a bit, but it's starting to like really become popular in jujitsu. You're hearing a lot of podcasts talk about it. And um, I've talked about it even before in this podcast. And I think there's a lot of value in it. But at the same time, I think people are kind of going overboard with it. And um, Craig and uh, Lachlan were talking about Kit Dale and Kit Dale was notorious for like he kind of started this idea I think he even had like a DVD or maybe it was just kind of like an ebook that you could order but it was like how to get good at jujitsu without drilling and he kind of talks about how useless drilling is and how he never drilled and how he mostly just live trained and kind of the thought process he used to get good at jujitsu now a lot of you guys don't know who Kit Dale is, but Kit Dale was the best Australian grappler before Lachlan Giles and Craig Jones. Like He was the first guy from Australia that I was really aware of. He had a couple of really impressive performances in um, a couple of mostly gi tournaments, but he was very, very good, and he was famous for being a super fast black belt. I think he got his black belt in like four, four and a half years, and he talked about this approach that, again, he just – all he, did, all he did was live train, how he thinks drilling's a waste of time. And we're starting to see this pop back up with, the, you know, Greg Sounders and a couple of other, you know, high-profile jiu-jitsu coaches talking about this. But I think it's really important to remember that we all are different and we all learn differently. And they were talking about how Kit Dale had the ability to just learn incredibly fast. Like he could see a movement one time and he could, you know, do it very, very well. And Craig was talking about this with J-Rod. He's like, you know, Nicky Rod's brother, J-Rod, he's such a good athlete. He's very flexible. Like, he doesn't take class. He doesn't drill. He just comes and rolls, and he learns so quickly. So you can show him a move a couple of times, and he's going to be hitting it the next day. And I think that is like one style of learning, right? Like that is, um, you know, kind of those guys like do really, really well in really competitive schools with lots of rolling, but that's not how everybody learns best because you also have guys like Mikey Musumichi and the Meow brothers who have talked about drilling, the importance of drilling a move and spending hours and hours and hours, more hours drilling than actually live training. And they, um, you know, there's an argument that Mikey's one of the five greatest jiu-jitsu grapplers of all time he, he's absolutely phenomenal and he's again notorious for drilling and doing lots of um you know lots of drills day in and day out just hours and hours and hours of drills so you might find yourself looking at this like learning process and being confused you know i think a lot of people they hear a new idea and they think well maybe if i change what i'm doing and i just focus on this new you know, ecological method or economical method that you know, guys like uh, Greg Saunders and some other guys are talking a lot about. I heard Scaff talk about it on his podcast. 
and I need to be playing more games. I need to have more objective-based training. I need to stop dead drilling. I'm not going to go to class anymore. I'm just going to roll. <laughs> um, I think, as always, you know, use this as a tool, but um, I think there's a lot of value in dead drilling, and I think some people are going to um, really miss a lot if they stop drilling. I drilled a ton, a ton from my first year to probably my eighth year in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, the last three, four years, I haven't drilled a lot. It's been almost all live training and coaching and teaching and a lot of film study. But there were certain movements that I would not have gotten if I hadn't spent a lot of time drilling. And so I think you're going to find yourself along this line. You know, if we look at guy again, a guy like Mikey Musumichi who's drilling all the time, that's probably like that extreme of drilling. And then a guy like Kit Dale or J Rod, who's just live training, you're going to find yourself somewhere along that. And as your journey progresses, you might move, you know, the needle a little bit. You might move a little bit more towards mostly live training. But then there's going to be times maybe where you need to move it back and start doing a little bit more drilling. But I really like what Lachlan said is that, you know, some of these guys, you know, like they're trying to sound too smart and they're trying to reinvent the wheel when we're all individuals. And again, we're all going to learn and process things differently. And it's really important to remember that when someone is trying to dictate and tell you what to do, it's something I've really been trying to do as a coach is just really let the athlete tell me how they learn and let the results speak for themselves because I'm telling you, you know, just with my guys, my small group, like I have to treat them differently because, you know, Nakaya and Travis learn completely differently. And if we do the same things for both of them, then one of them is going to suffer. And so it's really important that, you know, we structure and, and around what Nakaya, like how she learns best. And then, do the things a little bit differently for Travis. So just something to think about with all this hype on, you know, new learning methods and everything. Um, don't jump all in one way or the other, you know, take ideas and use it as a tool, but don't overcommit to it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I see some people doing some pretty crazy things right now. <laughs> Because I think like this new style of, you know, creating games and all this stuff is like the way you should train. There's a lot of people that got insanely good that really never trained that way. So we'll see. Last thing I want to say. Had a huge MMA victory this weekend in Atlanta. Justin Jamar, who joined the team and started training underneath me about seven months ago. When Justin came to me, he was a highly highly talented MMA fighter that had very little grappling and so he was at the time seven and two his two losses were two grapplers and then he took his third loss he started training with me like a week and a half before this fight and went to this fight with him he ended up getting rear naked choked but we really I mean I barely spent any time with him he was devastated he was like, oh, man, I cannot believe. He felt like such an idiot because he had his last loss had been by rear naked choke. And he was beating both of these guys. This, this guy that rear naked choked him um, two fights ago 
he had knocked him down twice and as he went to try and finish him on the ground this guy wrestled up took his back and choked him and he just didn't know what to do he was completely lost once his back was taken so we've been putting a lot of work in the past five six months and he fought one of the toughest guys in the southeast this guy was number one in georgia he was a multiple time state champion wrestler in georgia he fights out of att he was five and no and all his finishes or victories had been by finish and he had a really good like anaconda choke finish in an mma fight dars choke or rear naked and so i was like man like this guy's a purple belt this is really good test like wrestler gonna be a really good test for justin and justin absolutely destroyed this guy he won every grappling exchange he dropped him uh once or twice but he won every single round it was 30 27 on every scorecard and this dude's face was destroyed after the fight so really really happy especially after like nikaya's loss two weeks ago it was like really good to go out there and have like a really strong performance and get back the winning ways um i think it's important you know when anyone in your team wins, like it just creates momentum for everybody else. It gets everybody else pumped up, and it just it gives everybody confidence. So big win for the squad. Huge shout-out to Justin. I'm telling you, this kid is special. He will be in the UFC soon. Till next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Peace.